0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A powerful witness for all born-again believers is the very person who made a difference in our lives, and his name is Jesus Christ. As we live this life, we're now living to shine and magnify ourselves. I hope we understand that today. And uh, our goal is to shine and magnify our God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the I am that I am. He is a creator of this world. He is a sustainer for everything that exists. He is the wisdom and love, and uh, He is eternal, and that He is perfect. He is God, and He is the Savior of this world. Now, why try to shine ourselves and magnify ourselves when there is someone greater and much more worthy and glorious than us who is living within? I like what the words of the Apostle Paul, if you go to the next slide, the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, you know what, it's not about Apostle Paul, it's about Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who loved me, and gave himself for me. And I hope we share that same goal and that we share that same principle in our hearts that we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for the Lord Jesus Christ and we want the one who is living within us to be magnified and glorified all the time. I think about what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 as well. It says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always... So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Mean, I mean, this man, he says, to, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, whether I die or live, hey, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, uh, it doesn't matter where I go and it doesn't matter what I do. Always I want to have Christ magnified in my body. I think about he also writes uh, to the Thessalonica church in Second Thessalonians 1, verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, as we think about those verses on the screen we just read just a moment ago, notice those words. Remember those words. He said... Christ liveth in me. Christ shall be magnified in my body. Name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. It's very obvious and clear that the admonition of the word of God is our lives are to be conduit for not our testimony, but for Christ's testimony to channel through. And uh, as, uh, as he has all the authority and credibility to be magnifying our lives, I hope we are letting him to uh, letting him to do so, and that we recognize that he 's the one who died on the cross and that he 's the one that bled and that he 's the one that was sacrificed and he 's the one that rose again and he is our God today and he's our savior today. Why block him? Why we ourselves become a nemesis nemesis against him in living a spiritual life where God is magnifying Christ is glorified. I hope we're not fighting him this morning. I hope we're not resisting him today. I hope we're not hindering the spirit of God where he wants to glorify himself in our mortal bodies. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. In verse 17, it says in that same chapter, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's read verse 18 together. Ready? And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Your life is not yours. Not anymore. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that rose again from the, uh, from the dead for you. And we need to recognize that he is the owner of our body and of our lives today. And let him have the full control. And let him be magnified. It is the most powerful witness that we could have today. Not ourselves, my friend, because we're frail, because we're of the flesh, because we're weak. But Jesus Christ is strong. But Jesus Christ is eternal, and Jesus Christ is full of glory, and we need to make sure that he is lifted up. He must increase. I must decrease. I hope you have that heart today. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, and let's read this together too. Ready? For ye are bought with a the price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You see, your life is not yours. It's God's. The Bible is very clear about that. And what a great privilege and honor for us Christians this morning to bear his name that is above every name and to have his divine, eternal, and Holy Spirit to live within our frail, mortal bodies. That's a great privilege. I mean, think about that. Eternal being the Holy Spirit who, is be- who was before this world began. I mean, he who is above this world, who is in the pinnacle of heaven, who is part of the trinity of God. He is dwelling within our lives, and he calls us his children. What a wonderful privilege to have his spirit uh, to be dwelling and also guiding our lives today. And why are we ignoring him every single day when it is such a worthy and, what's a, what, uh, and it's such an honorable thing for us to receive? Oh, the powerful witness is on ourselves, like I said, but our God who lives within us, the powerful witness in your workplace, the powerful witness in your homes, in your relationship, and in your church, and the powerful witness of the gospel message can only be powerful, it can only be meaningful when Christ's spirit is working. And don't you want the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life today? Don't you want the Spirit of God to do something powerful? Don't you want the Spirit of God to do something different in your lifetime and in your marriage and in your children? Don't you want the Holy Spirit of God to work? Because Christ said, without me, he can do how many things? Nothing. Nothing. Without me, he can do nothing. Oh, our marriages need help from the Holy Spirit. Our families need help from the Holy Spirit. Our individual lives need help from the Holy Spirit. And when He helps and He works, there is a great difference. And He is a powerful witness that we need. And He is a powerful person that we need in our lives every single day. However, as much as we, we wish to have His help and working in our lives, we need to recognize that we do have a spiritual warfare. We do have a battle at hand. It is not, uh, in every sense, easy Uh, to uh, uh, get this life going, uh, to be led by the Holy Spirit because there is an enemy. There is a uh, a nemesis that fights against us. And uh, uh, you might be thinking, is it the world? Yes, it could be. Is it Satan and maybe the legions of devil? Yes, they can and they will try. But the sobering realization is that the enemy is ourselves, the flesh. The series that we're covering is called The Fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we desire, for His spirit to be magnified and bear fruit. Now, before we desire the fruit of the Spirit, let us be aware of the flesh that fights against the Holy Spirit. And as long as we are in this mortal body, the flesh will fight. Jimmy Page will fight against the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants to live the old ways of life. He wants to magnify himself in pride and arrogance. And he wants to sit on the throne of his own heart. And the flesh will fight against the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, The Christian teacher wrote, Before a battle can be won, there must be the recognition of an enemy. The most continual aggressive enemy the Christian has is a simple nature, or rather the flesh. The flesh or that simple nature has been compared to cancer. It is not like uh, a rotten branch on a tree that can be broken off and gotten out of the way. Thus, protecting the rest of the tree, no. It lies deep, always looking for its opportunity to grow and cause more damage. The Bible says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. You see, our lust wants more than what we crave today. And it wants more than next week. It wants more than next month. And if you feed a little bit, my friend, it will grow a little bit larger and the appetite will get bigger. And ladies and gentlemen, our flesh is very dangerous, our lusts are very dangerous. And you might be thinking this is all very discouraging because many people are weary in this fight and many are raising the right surrender flag. But I think about what Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I mean, he was in, any, in every sense discouraged too. But he says in the next verse, in th- verse 25, and we find hope in this verse, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a great, wonderful verse that is. God's people say, are you here with me this morning? We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who wants to help you to fight against the flesh. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God who wants to help you in your family. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God who wants to help you in your workplace. Who wants to help you everywhere you go. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the spiritual victory is possible. Not because of us, because of the Holy Spirit of God who is omnipotent and who is In every way, powerful against our flesh. Oh, next words are encouraging. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You see, the fruitful living in the Spirit is possible. And the flesh being subject is possible, but only through the Holy Spirit. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Are you going to lean toward the flesh, or are you going to lean toward the Holy Spirit? Who are you going to surrender to? Who are you going to feed? The appetite of the flesh or the, uh, the great desire of the Holy Spirit? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let us make sure that we are more surrendered to the Holy Spirit because this battle is real and the flesh could in every way devour us and, and try to take control of our lives in a second. Oh, let us make sure we are in full knowledge of the spiritual battle and we're full in knowledge of the great desire that God has for us in this spiritual living, and we need to make sure that we know the battle at hand and the war at hand and what the outcome can be, and that's what generals and strategists do, don't they? I mean, they want to be knowledgeable about the field they're entering, about the possible victory or maybe the outcome that they will have, the casualties, or maybe uh, the soldiers or uh, uh, the soldiers that will be uh, uh, coming back uh, 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 from, I guess, uh, 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 from uh, from the battle, and and how many deaths they will have and and they want to strategize and know what's going on and as much as that battle is real and that battle is taken seriously we need to do the same with our spiritual battle too we need to be knowledgeable about it we need to make sure we see the strategy of the holy spirit and what he wants to do in our lives and how we could submit to him and by the way he is the captain of our host amen and that uh, he is a general of our, uh, uh, the battle at hand, and we need to be submissive to our general, the Holy Spirit of God. And so, what are we, what are we to be knowledgeable of? If you want to have a powerful witness, you want the Spirit of God to be magnified in our lives and also have the fruitful living, what do we need to be knowledgeable of? I'd like to share with you three biblical knowledge that would help us to direct our lives to a spiritual-filled living. First of all, we must know, that the liberty can be abused. Liberty can be abused. In verse 13, the Bible says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, meaning freedom. Only use not liberty, freedom, for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And this is a danger of freedom. In our simple nature, my friend, we tend to abuse freedom. For example, as much as we love America and its freedom, there are many people out in this country who are abusing that freedom and committing crime. How many of you agree with that? Raise your hand, all right? And they try to get away with it, and many do, all right? And uh, as much as that is real, there are many people in Christendom who's trying to get away with it and who's trying to abuse the liberty that God has given them. You see, there are two groups of people concerning liberty. First, they view it as an opportunity to do that which is wrong. And then, second group, they view it as an opportunity to do that which is right? You see, before we were saved, meaning before we received Christ as our personal Savior, we were in bondage—the bondage of sin. The chains of sins were uh, 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 putting us in bondage. Jesus Christ speaks of this in John chapter eight. I don't know if this is on the screen or not. Oh, yes. Look at look at verse thirty-two. It says, "And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." They answered him, We be Abram's seed, and we're never in bond to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, truly, surely, truly, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the what? Let's say it together. Servant of sin. Okay? So, who is taking over your life? Sin is. Okay. You're not in control of your own sin. Sin is in control of you. And committed sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, he shall be what? Free indeed. You see, we cannot free ourselves. Only Jesus Christ can free us. And what a wonderful Savior we have. Now, who has freed us from this bondage of sin? Jesus Christ. Now, we have liberty. Now, the question is, what to do with this liberty? Do we choose to do that which is wrong, or do we choose to do that which is right? And as we have liberty, as God has given us freedom, let us make sure we don't abuse this freedom by doing that which is wrong and leaning toward the flesh and feeding the lust thereof. Oh, here's a wrong perception that we have in our Christian life. Since we are in liberty, freedom, we think we are no longer accountable to anything or anyone. That is not true. That is not true. Romans chapter 6 verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Notice those words again. For when ye were servants of sin, okay, who was controlling us? Sin was, right? We were servants of sin, okay? We we're accountable to sin. We only knew how to sin in our lives, okay? We were servants of sin. And we were free from what? Righteousness. We didn't know how to do that which was right. And we try to do good works, but and, uh, and, 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 and in comparison to the righteousness and the holy, uh, holiness of God, hey, uh, there is no comparison. And, and because God is truly holier than any one of us here, and he is the righteous one. So before we were saved, all right, the Bible says that we were servants of sin, and we were free from righteousness, and Jesus Christ freed us, freed us from sin, and now we are servants of, guess what? Righteousness. See that. Now we are servants of righteousness. What a wonderful truth that is. And uh, that means we have a choice to uh, 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 serve the Lord in righteousness. The Bible says in verse 21 in that same chapter in Romans chapter 6, What fruit had he then in those things where we are now ashamed? For the end end of those things is death. And by the way, I hope you're ashamed of your past life. I hope you're not proud of it. Oh, I used to drink this much. I used to hang around with this kind of crowd. I mean, I understand that God has saved you from sin, but let's not, you know, in every sense, magnify that all, all over the place and all over, everywhere we go. And uh, let us be, in every sense, be ashamed of it and say, hey, that was my old life, but let's look at my little, new life. And look how God has saved me. Look how uh, God has in every way directed me. And, and look how uh, God is changing my family. Hey, let us be magnifying what Jesus Christ did, not what we have done in the past. And uh, so with that, look, the Bible says in verse 22, But now being made free from sin and become the what? Servants of God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You see, We are the servants of God now. Before, we were the servants of sin. So we are not our own man or our own woman. We are God's today. And now we have an opportunity to do that which is right. Because we have God on our side, and we have God's spirit to guide us and also aid us. So I think about what Peter Marshall said in Scottish American Preacher during the 30s and 40s. He prayed this prayer before the Senate. Okay, before the Congress. Lord Jesus, thou art the way, the truth, and the life. Hear us as we pray for the truth that shall be make, uh, make all free. And uh, it would be a great, wonderful thing uh, for some people to pray like that in Congress again. Amen. And then teach us that liberty is not only to be loved, but also to be lived. Liberty is too precious thing to be buried in books. It costs too much to be hoarded. Help us to see that our liberty is not right to do as we please, but the opportunity to please to do what is right. You see, as Peter Marshall prayed for this country in such a matter, we need to pray the same. We need to pray, dear God, help us to see the great opportunity to do that which is right and not abuse the liberty that you have given us. Oh, with that in mind, let's look at Galatians 5 again. It's in your notes, if you have your Bibles open. Verse 13, it says, For our brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Notice those words. But by love serve one another. You see, the direct application of this verse has to do with loving one another. Did you know that loving one another is a very good evidence that we are living spiritual lives? Did you know that? A husband loving his wife, okay, by the love of Christ, that's a great evidence that you are living a spiritual life. And that's the same thing for parents to children. That's the same thing with friends to friends. That's the same thing with church members to church members. It's a great evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and that you have the fruit of the Spirit as well. Oh, as we think about this liberty, God has given us liberty not to hate, but to love. God has given us liberty not to gossip, okay, but to speak gracious words. God has given us liberty not to smear, but to lift up and edify people. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a great opportunity to be saved. Why? Now we have the great liberty to do To choose that which is right. And one of the great righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ is to love one another. Because God is love. Do you love your family today with the love of Christ? Are you using the liberty that God has given you in your Christian life to love or to hate because many people could just let loose and and let gossip spill and and smear somebody else because they have known that person for so long and and maybe in every sense you've been with your family for you know uh, quite some time and quite some time even with your in-laws and and you just in every way let down your guards and uh, 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 start saying things you should not have said and start uh, 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 smearing people and, and when you should not have done and in every way you not sharing the love of Christ, and you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, many times we're using our liberty to tear people down. We're using our liberty in every sense, saying, hey, they'll understand. And and, uh, don't you know we're all sinners? We're not perfect here. And then they just do whatever they want. Let's not abuse God's liberty that way. Let's choose righteousness. And uh, one of the great righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ is love. Is love. This is the direction of the spiritual living. God has called us to liberty. Let us not abuse that liberty by committing sin because now we're not the servants of sin, but we're servants of God. And at the same time, let us love one another too. What a great opportunity to share our lives together at Bible Baptist Church. God's people say. What a great opportunity to get to know each other. What a great opportunity to help out one another. What a great opportunity to edify one another, encourage one another. And I preached on this subject last Sunday night. Hey, there's no room for discouragement at Bible Baptist Church. And we're discouraged all the way we all the, all the way, I mean, all throughout the week, and we come here discouraged again. No, we want to leave here encouraged. We want to live here knowing that, hey, there's a brother and sister in Christ who loves me, who prays for me. Don't Use liberty of this church and the freedom that God has given you in Christendom to hate one another and be unkind. Let us make sure we live a spiritual life and that one of the great direction is to love one another. By the way, if you have a brother and sister, do you love your brother and sister too? I'm talking about your immediate family. I'm not, I'm not talking about the church here. You know, some siblings, they just hate each other. Some siblings, they don't even even bother to, you know, be kind one to another because they have always been that harsh. They have always been that loose with their words. They have always been angry with each other and they never bothered to fix that issue. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about time. We need to get right with God and one area is our family. That's where it starts, your personal lives. Oh, let us make sure we have the right direction today. So with that... Not only do we have liberty, my friend, that can be abused, but uh, let us also acknowledge that the law can be achieved. The law can be achieved. In verse 14, the Bible says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. Now, as we think of this, we're not trying to grow in the law like the Pharisees. Touch not, handle not, you know, taste not, based on traditions and rituals. And uh, uh, those were all written laws based on men. But uh, there's an importance of the spiritual law, you see. What are they? Why? Well, well Christ gave them to us when he was here. And uh, one lawyer asked, What is the greatest commandment? And God gave them, God gave that man too. He said, Number one, love thy God with all of your heart. Love thy God with all of your hearts and your mind and strength and your soul. And also second one is like unto it. Love your who? Neighbor. Love your neighbor. Now, this cannot be fabricated by external diligence in the flesh. Okay? But it must genuinely be from the Holy Spirit of God. And this does not need to be forced. Where, oh man, I love you. Okay? Doesn't need to be forced. Well, when we are born again by the Spirit of God, it's a divine natural process where that desire is there. Yes, sometimes we get in the flesh. Yes, we get angry. Yes, sometimes we gossip. Yes, but we feel guilty of it. We repent and we start loving again. That desire never leaves. Why? The Holy Spirit of God is there. The Holy Spirit of God wants to work in your heart. I think about Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Ye are the epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. You see, it doesn't just make sense here, okay, in the written word, in the sense, it, it in every sense, uh, 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 you might understand the word of God, I understand and his written word, we have have seen it from page to page, and, and we know it. But it also makes sense down here. Why? Because of the spirit of the living God that lives within us. Right here matches right here. You understand what I'm talking about? As we read God's word, hey, it matches down here. Why? Because the spirit of God says, that's good. That's the truth. That's what you need. Hey, you need to go to that direction. You need to love each other. And we have the spiritual law written in our hearts today. Not in the tables of stone and parchment like in the Old Testament, but in our hearts. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, our goal is to be uh, like Jesus Christ. And we cannot be like Jesus Christ unless unless we love one another. And there is no greater goal than that as a Christian than to be more like Jesus. Christ said in John 14, verse 15 as well. Let's read this together. Ready? If ye love me, keep my commandments. If he love me, keep my commandments. Now, if we truly love him in our hearts, I hope we do. Okay, As much as we love God's word, we love our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, then by the divine way, we keep his commandments. How can we allow the Spirit to do so? How can we fulfill all the commandments, as the Bible says? The answer is very simple, but profound, but by love. That's what the Bible says, by love. We are able to fulfill all the commandments. Matthew 22, I'll read this for you. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God says, let me give you two spiritual laws. And is to love God, and also to love your neighbor. And with those two spiritual laws, I want you to hang how many laws? How many commandments? All the commandments. Hang all the commandments by those two main commandments. Then you will fulfill all the law. In Romans chapter 13, he says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not fear uh, false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, is briefly comprehended in the saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, love working no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the what? The law. So God says, if you love one another, okay, if you love one another, you fulfill every law. It comes naturally to you, not to steal. It comes naturally to you and by divine process, by the Holy Spirit, not to lie. Why? Because you love that person. You love that person. That's what Jesus Christ is telling us. Hey, love God, love others, you will and you will fulfill all the other commandments, hang all the other commandments with those two commandments. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're not spiritual, nor are we winning battle against the flesh unless we're loving one another. We are losing relationship. We're losing our family. We're losing obedience. We're losing uh, submissiveness to the Holy Spirit. We're losing our church. We're losing the winning fervor. Why? Because we're not loving each other, and we're not loving God as we should. Just think about all the sins that you do. It's because you don't love God and you don't love somebody. That's what it is. And we need to make sure that if we want to live a spiritual life, if we want to truly bear the fruit of the Spirit, if we want to truly live a, a victorious life where we have a powerful witness, and the greatest powerful witness that the Holy Spirit wants to give is His love. Jesus Christ says, hey, the world will know that you are my disciples when you go sowing. No, He didn't say that. The the world will know that uh, 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 you are my disciple when you are not drinking and smoking and uh, and when you're not cursing. No, Jesus Christ says that the world will know you're my disciple if you uh, love one another. You see, the greatest commandment we have missed many times, many of you don't drink, many of you do not smoke, many of you stay away from worldly crowds, And you do everything right during the week, but you have missed the main commandment, the commandment of loving God and loving others. We missed it. We pat ourselves on the back. Oh, look how righteous I am. Look how good I am. Hey, I'm obedient to the Lord. But you have missed in loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And uh, 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 husbands and wives, you have in every way lost the opportunity to love your husband in submissiveness. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it goes in every area of our lives. Love has to cover every area of our lives. If we truly love God, then we keep his commandments, my friend. That love is very important. And I think about my own children and Annabelle and Josiah and and I'm not a very hugging kind of guy. I didn't grow up like that, but I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it, and I try to hug Annabelle when she comes back from school, and I always give her a hug, and I try to hug Josiah, but he always runs away, amen, and, uh, you know, he's a boy. He's just a, just a very tough boy, and uh, I remember the other night, and uh, he got in trouble, and uh, he was disobedient. He was yelling and stuff like that, so, you know, I disciplined him. He went to the room and had some time out, and and then it was nighttime, and then we washed up, we did everything, and then I think my wife went to get water with Annabelle, and then we were in the room by ourselves in the dark, and then, uh, you know, you try to reach out to your children or something, your child, and I looked over to Josiah, and Josiah was sitting down, and I don't know what he was doing, he was kind of looking out in the window, and I said, Josiah, you know, you know Daddy loves you. I don't know if he's listening at all, you know. You know Daddy loves you, and I'm sorry if I get frustrated or angry, and I try to reach out to his hand, and then he reached out to my hand, too, and I said, oh, that's nice. He's trying to, you know, uh, build some relationship here. But after a few seconds later, I felt something wet in my hand. And then I looked over. It was a booger. That's great. This is a great start of a healthy relationship between a father and son. I'm trying to be loving, but he gives me a booger, all right? And he was picking in nose. That's what he was doing in the dark. He wasn't, he wasn't paying attention to what I was saying. And, uh, you know, what do you do with him, you know? Why well, do you keep on loving him? I want to make sure that he knows that Father loves him. And, uh, and many times you try and you try and you try, and the other party doesn't care, huh? Sometimes you get that. You know, your, your children does not care. And, uh, you know, maybe your spouse doesn't care. Your friends don't care. I mean, the worst enemy at your workplace doesn't care how good you are and how loving you are, how nice you are. But the love of Christ is unconditional, amen? The love of Christ beareth all things, hopeth all things, believeth all things. It's patient. And charity never faileth. Would you say that with me? Charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. You keep on loving, I guarantee you'll see some fruit. Keep on loving. And that when you love God and you love your neighbor, God says you have achieved the law. You could fulfill the law. You could truly be an obedient Christian when you love me and you love your neighbors. I hope you're doing that today. Number three, the lust can be annulled, it could be counseled, it could be ruled out. Verse 16, this I say then, walking in the spirit, and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Like I've said, there is a battle, it is a warfare, the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and this can be victorious for us if we do not feed our flesh and its laws. Instead, leaning on the everlasting arm and walking with the spirit, hey, we could have the victory, and you could allow your flesh to starve. It's okay to do that. Why? Because you can be full in the spirit. How many of you, like, crave some unhealthy food, you know? You're not supposed to eat it. And, uh, you know, you're not supposed to eat that fast food. You're not supposed to eat that fried chicken. And, uh, and uh, in every sense, you know, I have had that temptation before. But I always gave in, amen, okay? But anyway, fried chicken is, you know, a great manna from the Lord. You need that in your life. Anyway, so, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you have that, but you always try to, what? Eat fast as possible, as soon as possible, the healthy food so that you could be full. And, and when you do that, what happens? You feel good about it, don't you? Doesn't it? And that's the same thing we kind of do with our sins. And sin's right there. I mean, uh, temptation's right there. And then, and then we crave it in the flesh. It's okay to let us starve. Let him starve. You read God's word. You pray. You seek some advice and then get some counsel from godly Christians. Then I believe that you'll be full and that you'll be satisfied. You don't need the flesh. And ladies uh, and gentlemen, and, and, and the lust can be rolled out. So with that in mind, let's look at two more points here, the subpoints number Number one, conf- conflict of lust. As a conflict of lust. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You see, we cannot be filled with the flesh and be filled with the spirit. It's one or the other. And if you try to do both, okay, it's contrary one to another, the Bible says. It makes a conflict, and you can do both. And I have a simple illustration right here, and I got a cup, okay. There's a cup, and uh, let's say that's you, all right? And I have a picture right here, and that's the Holy Spirit of God, all right? Hopefully this doesn't fall. (laughs) And uh, so this is the Holy Spirit of God, and the cup is you. And uh, this dirt right here is sin. This is you, the Holy Spirit, and this is sin. And you, in every way, try to live in the flesh and let the uh, uh, sin come into your life and you let it pour in little by little and it starts adding up but at the same time you try to maybe read god's word and try to pray and try to do best as you can as a christian go to church but you also at the same time try to live a sinful life and have the holy spirit of god to do something in your life once again but as we think about this it makes a contrary right here and you can see at, at this moment this is not a very pretty looking glass And many Christians are living like this. And many Christians are trying to live a both life, A lukewarm life where the flesh is there. And okay, the Holy Spirit, come on forth. I'll hear preaching. I'll go to the altar. But I'll never give up my sin. I'll never, uh, in every sense, uh, starve my flesh. And your life is like this. And it is filthy still. And what you need to do, my friend, you need to have a clean cup, a clean vessel, hopefully you are. And let the Spirit of God pour his blessing in your life. By the way, you know, there's some people who have empty, empty cups too. Empty lives. In every way that they don't want to do. I mean, uh, they're in, in a spot where they're apathetic and indifferent. They don't want to serve God. I mean, they're not committed sins here and there. They don't want the filling of the Holy Spirit. They just want an empty life just like this cup. But I don't know about you. I want the Spirit of God to pour out his blessing in my life, and I want it to be full. Don't you? I want the Spirit of God to fill my life, and he can fill your life. And you don't need some sin so that you could be satisfied. No, you'll never be satisfied. I will never be satisfied. And uh, living a life like this is truly regretful. But living a life like this is truly satisfactory. It's clean, it's pure, and it's righteous. And your family will be helped, your church will be helped, your lives will be helped. The conflict of lust. So, with that, the condemnation under the law, condemnation under the law. You know the Bible says in verse eighteen. But if ye let of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, laviciousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, and they do which this such thing shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, ye are not under the law. He's talking to save people. What does that mean? You see, the law gives a verdict to sinners, death. Why? Because of sin. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, When we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, they work in our members to bring forth unto death. But now we are the delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the law. You see, we're not under the law that leads us to death due to sin, but now we're in the newness of the spirit, living and serving God in the spirit. You see, what the law was for is for us to let us know that we are sinners. We have come short. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, that, uh, 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 you will obey your uh, honor and father and your mother, and thou shalt not covet. And if you think about all those Ten Commandments, you think about all the commandments that is found in the Bible, hey, we have come short in fulfilling all those things. And the law says you are innocent? No. The law says you are what? Guilty. And you're a condemnation under the law. But now we're not under the law. Why? Because the end of the law came, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on that cross. And he bore our sins. And he was buried. And he rose again in the third day. And God says, now the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You believe in me. And now you're not serving me under the the condemnation of the law. But you're serving me in the newness of the Holy Spirit of God. And thank God the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And we're not living a dead life anymore, but we're living a new life that is truly eternal and that is truly memorable. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, why are we going back to the sins that we were delivered from? Why are we going back to the sins that Jesus Christ was crucified for? Why are we going back to the sins that Jesus Christ died on the cross and suffered for us? Oh, ladies and gentlemen... I hope, as we think about these sins that is uh, listed here, that in every way that we're not going back to it, but at the same time that we're evaluating our lives, I wonder if there's somebody here you are not part of the kingdom of God. You see, the Bible says you have committed all those sins, and you're, not, you're doing all those sins, and you're involved in that sin, and you're in your sinful nature, and that's all you know how to do. You're the servants of sin. God says you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. You'll never inherit the kingdom of God. I wonder if there's somebody here not saved, not knowing Christ as their personal Savior. Oh, yesterday I had the great, wonderful honor to preach to many of the teenagers in this room. And and I got to preach the gospel at the end. And I let them know that Jesus Christ died on that cross. I let them know that the great the great reality of hell. By the way, as America goes forth into uh, uh, pluralistic philosophy and, and also for many pe- preachers to uh, uh, kind of uh, water down the gospel, it's amazing how it is so rare for preachers to preach about hell these days. It's going to make them feel uncomfortable. No, my friend, they will feel more uncomfortable When they're in hell, we have to preach about hell. I let them know about hell and how long it is, it's forever and ever. I let them know that without Jesus Christ, you'll go there. And by the way, there is no second chance in hell, there is no Holy Spirit in hell. Jesus Christ is not in hell, there is no Bible in hell. When do you get saved? When do you trust Christ? Today. You need to be delivered from the lake of fire. Today. Today. And there might be somebody here, like the teenagers last night, not knowing Christ as their personal Savior. And if you're to die right now, you know that the mouth of hell will open and devour you in an instant. Thank God for those ten teenagers who raised their hand to receive Christ as their personal Savior. And they were counseled by individuals in different rooms. And they all received Christ as their Savior. God's people say, isn't that wonderful? And there might be somebody sitting here not knowing Christ. You don't know what I'm talking about. What does it mean being led by the Spirit? What does it mean being the servants of God? What does it mean being filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to have Christ in my life? You have been to church. You have been to services. But there is no spiritual law written in your hearts you don't have the spirit of god living inside of you giving you that desire giving you that want to live for god you don't have that it's empty it's empty do not you have christ in your life today do not you have christ deliver you from the condemnation of the law so that you could be in the newness of the spirit you could live a life that is truly full and you could be on your way to heaven And Jesus Christ waits you there. If you're a Christian today, if you're a born-again believer, are you living a victorious life? Do you have the knowledge of spiritual living? Because liberty can be abused. You could abuse that and not live a spiritual life. And the law can be achieved by loving one another and every area of our lives that is related. And also, with that, lastly, Think about the fact that lust can be annulled. Your lust can be canceled out. It can be ruled out by one person, Holy Spirit of God. Let him fill you. Let him guide you so that you may bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. I hope this series helps us.